Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. This is Jeff. I am actually recording from the home office today and I'm grateful to be able to share with you some thoughts from the book of Romans chapter number seven. Some of you, when you heard Romans seven, your antenna went off because you know that Romans seven is one of the most um, helpful passages in all of the book of Romans because it describes a part of our lives that mm, most of the time people don't really want to discuss publicly. Um, what do we do? What do we do with recurring sin? I mean, it's a, it's a genuine, legitimate question. What do we do with that stubborn sin in our lives that didn't disappear when we got saved? That hasn't disappeared since we have walked in the Holy Spirit, been filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we do with that attitude or that activity in our life that didn't immediately die when so many other things about who we were just seemed to be taken away from us when we when we came to Jesus? But it has been my experience, both as a Christian man, but also as a pastor who has dealt with literally thousands of people over the years that most Christians have an area in their life, I'll just be very clear with it, in their flesh that they struggle with more so than others. And what's amazing is um, not everybody shares the same struggle. In fact, there may be things in your life that you're struggling with that are absolutely um, non-existent in my life and vice versa. And the reality is, is that we all want to come to complete victory in Jesus Christ. And we know theologically that the Bible is very clear that sin has no authority over us anymore. Like we're not prisoners to sin anymore. Not a single sin has any right to be a part of our lives. And yet we also know that the scripture teaches that if we say we have no sin, then we are deceived. And so where do we go with this? I think this is probably going to be one of the most practical podcasts, and I'm grateful that you've tuned in to Mavericks and Misfits today. I'm going to try to get most of this covered in one episode. If we end up having to do uh, two episodes, then um, I'm more than willing to do it. Um, my goal in this episode is to to help people. Um, Amy, my wife, and I, and um, Alicia, my, my, my daughter, we, we host a group of young people in our home about once a month, usually somewhere between 25 and 35 uh, young adults in their 20s will come to the house and we just have a good time. We, you know, we eat, we talk, we laugh, but then eventually we get down to either doing a Bible study or we're doing a time of prayer. But as I dialogue with these, primarily for me, the young men, uh, as I dialogue with them, I'm finding that these guys are longing for righteousness, but most of them are struggling with something. Uh, for a few of them, it's anger and self-righteousness. For others, it's lust. Um, for still others, it's apathy and laziness. And these young people hate their sin. 
I mean, they straight up hate it. And yet they haven't gotten victory over certain recurring sins in their life. Do you know that this is nothing new? This is not unique to our generation, but ever since uh, the first century, um, the reality is, is that there have been um, Christians, there are Christians, and i just go ahead and say it, um, there will always be Christians who are somewhere on the spectrum of a struggle in overcoming um, a particular besetting sin, that old King James word from the book of Hebrews, a besetting sin, a stubborn sin, a sin that creeps up regularly and trips us up. And I, I want to tell you today that you don't have to learn to live with it. You heard me right. You don't need to make up your mind in a way that says, well, that's just who I am. That's just the way I am. This thing's always going to be with me. Now, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow you to go there because I'm telling you, Jesus Christ lives in you and Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, talk to us constantly about crucifying the flesh with the desires or the affections and the longings thereof. And so we, we enter into a war when we get saved. And part of that warfare is that we're killing sin. We have to put to death. The old English word for that is mortify, mortifying the deeds of the flesh. It's the same root word from which we get mortician, the, the funeral home director who's burying things. We are to be a funeral home director against all sin in our life. And unfortunately, I think today, because of a misunderstanding of the concept of grace, a lot of Christians just are kind of shrugging it off and saying, well, I'll just learn to live with it and I'm excelling in a bunch of other areas. And to that kind of thinking, I would say, well, don't you want to walk in the absolute utter freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for you? Don't you want to be completely free? And of course, the answer is yes, we all do. But we also know that we have weak areas that we just we just don't seem to have a, um, a fluid victory over. We stutter in these areas. We stumble in these areas. And while there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, that is not to say that there is no expectation that you and I would continue to press in to get free. So let me read these verses from Romans chapter number seven. Um, if you're somewhere where you can read uh, the Bible, then open a copy of God's Word. Go ahead and open your Bible on your phone, your tablet, or an actual Bible. Um, if you're driving, obviously just listen. But here's here's what I want to read to you from Romans 7. And look in verse number 15. And this is the Apostle Paul talking. So I love that Paul wrote these words because in my opinion, he's the greatest Christian that ever lived. And this is what he says. I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. 
for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then Paul makes this declaration in verse 24 of Romans 7. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then in verse 25, he answers his own question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So um, those words, I think at the very least on a very human level, should bring a little relief to some of you that may be battling a particular attitude or action in your life that you know is sinful. And I'm talking specifically here about recurring sin. Um, there is comfort to be gained that we are not alone when we find ourselves in a season like that. But Romans 7 was not, re- excuse me, was not written to make excuses for us tolerating sin in our lives. Paul is in agony because he recognizes there's something in his life and um, he knows that it doesn't belong, but he also realizes that in his own power, he cannot get free from it. And so he's talking about different dynamics. He's talking about his true self. And by the way, this is not Paul talking about some distant chapter in his past. This is Paul talking about um, a constant awareness that in his own power, he cannot defeat certain elements of his flesh. Um, I don't think he's saying that he's in this cycle of habitual sin. I think what he's saying is, if he ever quit relying on Jesus Christ, whom he mentions in verse 25 of Romans 7, the last verse in that chapter, if he ever quit relying on Christ, he would again be imprisoned by the certain sins. Um, So I I do want us to take um, comfort, can I say it that way? That if we're battling, we're not the only ones who battle. You ever have the enemy do that tell you? You're the only one who struggles with that. You're the only one who doesn't have 100% victory. You're the only one who is not... um, completely free of, of a recurring or a besetting or a stubborn uh, sin or temptation. Um, so let's take comfort that we're not alone, but let's not take so much comfort that we learn to live with a sin. And especially if it's got mastery over you, like a habitual sin is an entirely different topic. I'm not talking about habitual sin. I'm talking about something that pops up sourced in your flesh or my flesh that. Um, it is not an unfamiliar sin because it's it's recurring in the sense that, um, oh yeah, I've been down this road before. Oh yeah, I've struggled in this area before. Oh yeah, I've fallen in this area before. I'm not talking about something that you are in complete bondage to. I'm talking about a place where if you don't keep your guard up and you're not walking in the spirit, you, you fall back towards this tendency. Um, I'm going to deal in a different podcast with habitual sin because I think that's that's a much more intense subject, but let's go through these verses that I just read from Romans seven today. Um, and let's talk about killing recurring sin. Can I give it that dramatic of a, uh, of a title killing recurring sin? Because if you play nice with sin, it wins. But if you get militant and you get dogmatic and you get, um, like hardcore against sin, if you get sick of it, then you'll kill it if you walk in the spirit. And there's some things here that will help us understand the battle. 
Um, I don't know that I'll have time to give you the one, two, three step to killing recurring sin, but I will give you some things to think about and maybe we'll do a second podcast and how we can definitely mortify the deeds of the flesh. But we see a problem, you know, that Paul talks about in these verses in verse 15, he just says this, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want to do, but I do the things that I hate to do. Now, right there, I'm like, oh, thank God Paul said that because I've had times like that in my Christian life. I've had times where I'm like, I, you know, I know what to do. I know the right thing to do. Why don't I do that in this situation? Um, why, why don't I do that in this moment of conflict spiritually? And why sometimes do I say, think, or do the very thing that I know in my spirit is wrong or sinful or evil or unloving or unkind? Paul says, I don't understand my own actions. And I'm like, Paul, thank you for saying that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring that to be in Romans 7, 15, because there are times I don't understand my own actions. And so he says, he goes on in verse 16, he, he recognizes that there's some parameters. Like he's talking in Romans 7, by the way, about the law of God, the Mosaic law and how the law itself, the written word does not empower you. The law, the command, the thou shalt, thou shalt not, doesn't actually give you power. Um, it just reveals the parameters of God's will. And so he says, if I don't, verse 16, if I do what I don't want to do, then I am in agreement with the law that the law is good. So in other words, he's not saying, oh, the law is bad. He's just saying, no, the law is good, but all it's doing is showing me where I'm messing up. It's not empowering me to stop messing up. It's just showing me where I transgress, where I trespass, where I sin. And so he starts getting really precise in verse number 17. And this is helpful. So listen to this. This is every single Christian. So listen to this. This is in play. These are principles. They're dynamics about you, your spirit, the Holy Spirit, your flesh. And there's this cycle that can take place in our life. And what we've got to do is we've, we've got to learn how to walk in the spirit. So we're walking on top of the sin. And by the way, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and he said, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the longings of the flesh. That is a kingdom law that if I, Jeff Lyle, am walking in the spirit, then I will not do the things that are contrary to the spirit. That's Bible truth. So in other words, every single time you or I give in to sinful temptation, we are in that moment not consciously walking in the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean we're not saved. It just means that we are walking in some other dynamic than Holy Spirit cooperation. And so he starts making a distinction. He's, he's talking about, man, when I'm doing the things I don't want to do, when I'm not doing the things that I really long to do in my spirit, he gives us something, verse 17, he says, now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul is saying, it's not the real me. Now, he's not making excuses. He's not saying, well, I didn't have any help. I, there's no, nothing I could have done. He's just saying, no, it's not the real me. The real you, the new man, it's referred to in, in 
in scripture in the new testament the new man if you're a woman you you can say a new the new woman in you the, who you are in jesus the new creation second corinthians 5 17 that we're a new creation so that that new you the redeemed you the born again you that's that's not who's doing the sin it is the sin that dwells within you it's in your flesh you see, your body is not fully redeemed yet. That's why we have to crucify the flesh. You're going to get a glorified body and all temptation will be gone. But the weakness of the mind, the weakness of the will, the weakness of the emotions and the weakness of the flesh, they're still a part of who you are. It doesn't mean you can't get victory because you have the victory. It's just learning to walk it out. And so when we don't do the things we should do and we do do the things that we shouldn't do, it's actually the sin principle that you're cooperating with. It's not really the real you. Now, again, that's not an excuse. You can't blame your sin on something else. It's, it's still your will because you have the capacity to walk in the spirit and obey the Lord and do the right thing. But Paul says in verse 18, he gives this diagnosis. He says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. So there's nothing good in your flesh, nothing. You don't sanctify the flesh. You, you don't put the flesh on the le on a leash and lead it around. You, you, you don't try to debate with the flesh or negotiate with the flesh. You have to kill your fleshly desires. And the only way to do that is with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And by walking in the spirit, and I think I'll just have to save some of the techniques for killing sin, especially recurring sin, for a different, for a different podcast. But for this one, I'm telling you, here's the principle. Paul says, in his flesh, and that means mine and yours, in our flesh, there's nothing good. There's absolutely nothing good in your flesh. Your flesh is rotten to the core and you're still carrying it around. So the real you is your spirit man, but you're living in a body of flesh and the body of flesh has, has long learned to sin it. Your flesh actually loves sin. Your flesh doesn't want to be told what to do. Your flesh, your flesh, get me. I'm talking about your flesh, not the real you. There's a distinction. Your flesh is trained in disobedience. It is a rebellious, um, component of who you are so you've got to kill it you actually have to kill the flesh why because nothing good is in there we don't pretty up our flesh we don't moderate our flesh we don't manage our flesh we kill our flesh and then paul says that that fleshly reality presents itself in this dilemma he says in verse 18 i have the desire to do what is right but i don't have the ability to carry it out and there you go there's the war that's every single christian at some point in their Christian life, you may have complete victory over it now, but there was probably a time where you did not. And for most of you listening, there's an area, a weakness in your life that you have the desire to do what is right. You want to do the right thing. You don't want to give in to that weakness. And it can be a whole host of things. I'm not going to give you a long list of things that it might be. You know what it is in your life and you have the desire to do the right thing. But you find occasionally with this recurring failure that you just don't have the ability to carry it out. You're not finding practical, constant victory in this area. And that's why it becomes a recurring sin. And then he says it again in verse number 19. He describes the battle. He says, I don't do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, remember who's writing this. This is the Apostle Paul. This is not some casual, flaky Christian. This is a guy who's been caught up to the third heaven. This is a dude who's seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. 
This is a man who works miracles, casts out demons, speaks in tongues, prophesies, raises the dead. This is no weakling, but he's giving us a peek into his own private battles. And he's not telling us exactly. He does mention his, his propensity to covet. He mentions that earlier in Romans 7. He struggled with what he called many different kinds of covetousness. That means longing for something that, that you have no right to. So that may have been Paul's sin, but it, it can be applied to everybody. He's like, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't want to do this thing, but I keep on doing it. And the thing that I know I want to do in the real me and my spirit man, the, the new man, the inner man, is like, I, I want to do that, but I don't end up doing it sometimes. And so he, he says again that his conclusion in verse 20 is, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay? So you need to hear that. Paul is saying, I know who I am in Jesus. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. I've died to sin. I'm free from sin. I've overcome the devil. Jesus Christ has destroyed all authority from hell in my life. I don't owe my flesh anything. He says that in this exact book, the book of Romans, I am not a debtor to my flesh. I don't owe my flesh anything. And yet he's still working out this battle. So he's coming into alignment. He's, he's describing the battle for the Christian to come into the alignment uh, in a practical day-to-day -day living with who the Christian is in his or her true identity. That's why he's able to say, it's not the real me doing this. It's this thing that I'm carrying that I'm, I'm giving into at times. And so he, he gets a little bit intense in verses 21 through 24. He says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. By the way, that's how you know he's not talking about his pre-conversion life. Because a, a person that's unconverted does not delight, delight in the law of God in his or her inner being. Paul's talking about Christians here. He says, in the, I delight in my inner being in the law of God, but I see in my members, my body, my flesh. I see another law and it's waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he just screams out like something that describes probably moments where we've all felt. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So very quickly here, I, I want you to get the intensity of this. Paul says, I really, really, really want to do the right thing all the time. The real me, the saved me, the true me. I really always want, I love to please the Lord. I love to come into obedience. I love to follow the Lord. I love to work righteousness. I love doing things that are in alignment with the character and the heart and the ways and the will and the works of God. I love that. I want to do the right thing. He says, but you know what? Evil lies close at hand. There's this principle of evil. The reality of temptation, the weakness of my flesh, the lure of the world, the, the solicitation towards evil by the devil, it's close at hand. And he's focusing primarily on this principle of sin, the sin imprint that is still in his flesh. His spirit soul is redeemed, but his flesh is not fully dead yet. So he says, 
I delight after the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, I see in my body, I see in my physical components, another law, a different law. And this law is waging war against the law of my mind. This law is waging war in my redeemed thinking. This law is coming hard against the alignment that I should have in my spirit that causes me to walk in holiness. He says, this second law, this warring law in my flesh, it's, it's the law of sin. And it dwells in my members. It dwells in my flesh. Paul is like, diagnosing himself he's like oh i'm saved i'm spirit filled i'm heaven bound i'm living for the glory of jesus but there are moments where this inferior principle in my flesh rushes to the front seizes control and i cooperate with it and it's in me, it's in my members. And then he asked the question in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Very quickly, um, in ancient Roman times, when a murderer was caught, one of the, it's very gross and it's kind of cruel, unusual punishment, but it was real. When a murderer was caught, do you know how they would punish the murderer? They would literally tether the body of his victim to his body. That's right. They would wrap rope binding cords and they would take the dead person's body and tether it to the murderer. And that murderer would have to carry that body of death around with him until that body of death, the the corpse of the victim so decomposed and rotted that it would seep in. This is really gross. Seep into the flesh of the murderer and the murderer would get the body of death on him became the body of death in him. It would literally kill the murderer because he would become poisoned by the decomposition and all the foulness and rot and it would get into his own flesh and what, what he killed then killed him. And that's, that's the reference Paul's making here. He's like, man, I feel like my sin is like this body of death that I'm carrying around. It's threatening to kill me. I need deliverance. I need somebody to get this death off of me. So that's the exclamation he's making there. And so he asks the question, who's going to deliver me? And then he answers the question in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God that it's Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, I am not hopeless. I am not helpless. I am not going to carry around this thing forever. I'm getting free. I'm getting delivered. I'm going to get broken free of completely liberated of this thing. And I'm not a prisoner to the fallen death component in my flesh. That's what he's saying. But he notices he's already said, I can't do this on my own. I'm unable to do it on my own. So I need somebody outside of me to deliver me from this thing inside of me. And he points back to the very place where he gets all his victory, which is the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's the answer for you. And that's the answer for me. And I'm not discompassionate for any of you who are listening, who are struggling in an area and it's become a foothold and a foothold, if not dealt with, becomes a stronghold. 
and a stronghold, if not dealt with, really brings about some devastating consequences. And so we can't be passive about this. We have to kill recurring sin. But ultimately, it's not about you becoming like super disciplined or trying harder. It's about you coming into a Romans 7 reality where you get so desperate, you say, God, I can't do this without you. Jesus, I need you to absolutely set me free from this thing. You saved my soul. Now deliver me from my flesh. And you have to crucify the flesh daily. And I think what I'll have to do is I'll have to circle back in a different podcast and talk to us about some very practical things that we can do to kill sin in our lives. There are just some things that we're actually doing from time to time that actually may be feeding the problem instead of starving the problem. And crucifixion is a slow death. In the natural, it is. A crucified individual doesn't die from bleeding out typically. They typically die because they suffocate. And so crucifying your flesh doesn't happen in an instant. It's a suffocating process. It does take time, but you can do it and you can overcome the sins of the flesh. Appreciate you listening to Mavericks and Misfits today. I hope you'll subscribe to us on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so actually increases our digital footprint and allows us to get greater exposure. The reason why I want to do that is because I believe the podcast is helping people. And um, listen, you can help us get the word out. Share it. Share it on your social media feeds or share it by rating and reviewing on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast that just takes literally like two minutes of your time and you'll help me get the word out and so give us a rating give us a review tell people about it and uh, keep tuning in we drop a new episode every single Tuesday morning and we'll have another one coming up next week so it was good talking to you today let's go out and spend the rest of this day trusting the son of God Jesus Christ the Lord to help us kill all recurring sin in our lives. We'll talk to you next time. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.